Hello and welcome to Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast, highlighting artists, teachers, authors, and philanthropists who are committed to planetary purpose, or in other words, a holistic vision for planet Earth. My name is Julian Guderlai, and in today's episode, I'm hosting an interview with Thomas Duchin. Thomas is the creator of Daymaker, a digital giving platform that is the first of its kind. The company, which partners with local chapters of nonprofit organizations across the country, is the only online giving website that allows donors to purchase real gifts for specific kids in need year-round. These partnerships with high-impact nonprofits, including boys and girls clubs, big brothers, big sisters, and communities in schools play an essential role in differentiating Daymaker from other charitable giving companies. It's Thomas's mission to help individuals, families, and employees to form habits of compassion and generosity through technology. And with these words, I'm really excited to welcome you to the show, Thomas. I am so happy to be here, Julian. Thank you for having me. Thank you for the space and thank you for all the beautiful stories that you consistently share. Epic. Let's, let's create a story right here. Um, I like that. Um, tell us a little bit about Daymaker first before we go into some, some of your yeah. like more, more personal journey. But I, I want to hear about this epic company that you founded in, I think, 2013, 2015, somewhere there. Yeah. Um, why don't we start with kind of the context um, and what Daymaker is and the tangible, and then we can get into the story and where we are heading. Cause I think that's probably the, the delicious yummy part of all of this um, and the stuff that you couldn't read online. If that feels good to you. Totally. I love yeah. that. So in terms of Daymaker itself, we have built a peer to peer giving platform that enables donors to read about specific children in need in their community by items off of their wish list. So we primarily work with companies around the country that are looking to foster employee giving. So if you were an employee at say Airbnb, you would visit your Daymaker page, you would read about the thousand kids that are listed on that page from the San Francisco area that maybe don't have back to school items or holiday items or birthday items. You read about one specific child. Um, you'd read that John is a really bright third grader who is a fantastic big brother, loves to play outside and is a really creative writer. And John comes from a single parent household where sometimes month to month, it's hard to get by. So upon reading that description, you would see four to five wish list items for John and you'd buy those items just like you would on Amazon in a few clicks, check out. And then as a donor, you have insight into where that item is, when it makes it to the nonprofit and when it's given to John. Our idea in starting Daymaker was to bring an increased level of transparency and connection into the giving space. Uh, we found that when giving gifts to people in our own life, those were often the times we remembered most. Uh, most of us can relate to what a product means to somebody else. And so we felt there's an incredible opportunity to facilitate that to those in need, where typically it's a cash donation or it's kind of being done behind shutters and you don't know how your donation is making a difference. We wanted to bring an increased light to that process. So that was six years ago when we were undergrads at University of North Carolina, where we got started on what became Daymaker. And it's been uh, the full journey since. Exciting. Thanks for giving us like the, the clear detail of how that flow works. Yeah. It feels to me like that would be um, quite a lot of work for all these individuals to kind of register or be registered to um, yeah, voice the wish or voice what's missing in their life and how they're open to receiving. Yeah, exactly. And so when we partner with, we work with over 100 nonprofits around the country, and these nonprofits are the ones that are actually uploading the populations that they work with. So we're not having to vet families. We're not having the distribution. Our nonprofit, for example, the Boys and Girls Club of Santa Monica is one of our big partners in the LA area. 
and they are running a very robust back to school program, right, for high poverty, um, low income communities. And so they have access to the kids that we're trying to serve. So working with them enables that and takes a lot of the work out of it from our end. Uh, we kind of always say that we are simply just a technology connecting the nonprofits that have needs, the wholesalers and like the manufacturers that have inventory and the companies that have employees. We're just the technology that are bringing the three of those together. We're not actually building any of those like systems ourselves. Got it. So it would be mainly people and companies that are actually giving and donating rather than individuals who say, are, you know, I want to be giving and I want to be giving into my local community. Yeah. We started in the consumer space, um, and that's kind of where we found our first luck um, back in like 2015, 2016. We made the transition to what you could say from a business side, the B space in late 2018. Um, we found it increasingly difficult to like get past any level of scale on the consumer side. Um, it was something where like when you're picking up consumers, you're going one by one by one. And we also felt that the giving wasn't sustainable. People were coming once or twice a year. And for us, it was never really about the facilitation of products. It was more about addressing kind of the systemic roots behind why people are in poverty in the first place. And for that, that was like changing people's hearts and minds. Um, and so getting people to come and give once a year, we did not feel was like the programming that we wanted to facilitate to really evolve someone's heart and working in the context of companies allowed us to go deeper there. So, so interesting. This is really exciting for me because I feel like, you know, gifting and living or expressing compassion are principles, you know, that, that are definitely on a rise. Um, they're, they're building trust, they're, they're forming relationships. And yet at the same time, like expressing compassion other than saying thank you for a lot of people is a very abstract kind of concept. Yeah, it makes me think that I'll add a little bit of color. So we, that, that is the form of Daymaker, if you were to read anything online up until this point, right? Um, we raised some money, we were growing, we hired people, we did the whole press circuit, we had like the fun that an early stage technology company has. We got to a point a year ago where we started asking the question, are we really chipping away at the, the, the system that puts 16 million kids in poverty in the United States, right? Or are we just a Band-Aid solution? Um, as we sat with that inquiry, I came to see, and this ties into my deeper beliefs as a human, but I came to see that a big reason from a systems level why there are so many people in need is because we see ourselves as separate from those people, right? And it's really easy to say, well, that's just the brown kid who lives in the tenderloin. He's not like my child, right? He's not like me. And so I really tried, and we as a team tried to come back to, is our system actually just worsening the outcome of that question? Are we, actually, are we actually highlighting and perpetuating the differences between the donor and the recipient? Because if so, it doesn't matter how many backpacks and books and pairs of shoes we give, if we're not actually chipping away at the question that is leading to the need for those backpacks, books, pairs of shoes, et cetera. And so- 100%, it's beautiful yeah. that you guys had the space to go into that next level of inquiry. Absolutely, and it's been really challenging and beautiful in the way that challenges are beautiful, but we made the decision a couple months ago to actually pay back all of our investors, buy back all of our outstanding equity from any shareholders, advisors, investors, employees, um, to be able to build with a more open future where we can try to answer the question, how are we facilitating the exchange of resources in a way that helps giver and receiver see the interconnectedness and wholeness in themselves and in the other. So for me, the way that we actually chip away at that 16 million number is by helping people like me and you see ourselves in the kid that we're helping, right? It's creating that field of like what I would say on a personal level is oneness. 
and we'll see if Daymaker ever like evolves to use that word. Um, but it was about really connecting people at the deepest, deepest level, way beyond the product that was being facilitated. So that kind of provides the color of, I think, where we are heading. Um, and the form to how we answer that question, I think is still coming together. Yeah, I mean, it's, it sounds like you're really on a quest. I mean, 16 million children in poverty just in the United States alone is an astronomical number. And, and yeah. it's just one of those many, many moments where we can really realize the systems we've built have brought us to this point to a degree that was very useful. And starting at another certain degree, it, it, we can do better, right? There is enough resource on this planet for everyone to, um, to have basic needs covered. And I, I hear you and I feel you, especially I think the first example that comes in for me are homeless people where the separation is really clearly felt. Like, oh, that person just lives on the street or, oh, right, that's the person who lives on the street. And even if your mind is not trying to be uh, judgmental about it, there's still um, quite uh, the process of labeling that I think um, I can yeah. personally admit like, that I'm somewhat habituated to. And so it's a very conscious effort to continuously reframe that for myself. But then the next step of how do I connect more? How do I help? How do I actually help? How do I not just put a bandaid on something and feel all like, oh, I did a great thing today, you know? Um, yeah, I'm curious, where has this quest kind of taken you guys so far? Yeah. What, I, what feels really true now is we also, I hope that you can have so much compassion on yourself in those moments, right? Like we are wired, we are like very sensitive beings and like we're often so disconnected from that sensitivity. Um, and there's so much pain and so much hurt that we're exposed to. It's really hard to walk through San Francisco and, and our brains tell us that we do not have the capacity to feel empathy for each homeless person we see. If you're going to see 25 on your walk, on your way to work, right? Our brains are like, that is overload. That is too much. My belief is that, and this came from actually like a Ram Das uh, segment I was watching. And um, he was doing this session with this woman and they were getting into how you relate to those who have less resources or those that are in dire need, right? From a, from a resource perspective. And this woman was telling the story of how every day she would go and she would give this homeless man $1. And she put aside a dollar every day to give him. She acknowledged him. They had a conversation. And at some point she stopped. And Ram Dass said, well, why did you stop doing that? And she said, because I was concerned that if I kept doing that, I would finally see that man as my brother and he would be sleeping in my guest bedroom. And I wasn't ready to go there yet. And that like still, I've told that story a couple of times and it almost brings me to tears because like we at Beyond the Brain's wiring, we were built to see that person as our brother or sister. Like that is there. That connection lives within us, right? That desire to feel deep compassion and deep empathy is there. But sometimes our brains can't handle it. And there's a lot that we could go into around the brain science of generosity and probably not for a shorter segment right now. But our brains are wired for dopamine and they're wired for fear, right? They're not wired for these deeper co connection, compassion, empathy. But if we practice that, we actually start to see that, wow, like our heart can shine, our heart can live. Um, and so, yeah, I feel a lot of guilt walking through San Francisco as well as, an, as a metaphor, right? Um, and recognizing that that guilt is completely normal, but also it doesn't have to be natural, right? It might be normal in what we've built, but our natural wiring is, is actually to have deep compassion and empathy for that person if we let ourselves go there. Right. And if, as you said, we practice that and we, we, we allow ourselves to be in the energetic state of it. I think the first time I heard someone say that was Dave Asprey, who, who said, we're, we're kind of born to be kind, but we lack the energy to be kind every day, all day long. 
right? Because um, most people that are in the, the nine to five or in the business or in the entrepreneurial world that were a cloud of, of, of mind, there's a steady state of anxiety, right? Some people have it more, some people have it less. There's a steady state of up and down. And so that is so draining on the internal systems, on your nervous system, on your neurology that, yeah, you're, you're not practicing the wiring um, of truly feeling the empathy and the compassion. And again, the personally sharing, it's overwhelming, right? Like this is one of the reasons why, why this podcast exists and why we're having this conversation is to continuously explore and ex, uh, kind of lean into those topics, right? And, and see who are the people we can connect to help create systemic change or maybe even beyond systemic change, create innovation um, bubbles and, and, and companies that can create something on a small scale that allows us to be like, aha, that is possible. Yeah, that makes me think of, which taking a little bit of a detour, makes me think of like Charles's work around the field for others to step into, right? And all these Charles small Eisenstein, acts, you're yeah, Charles Eisenstein, yeah. and all these like small acts of operating in the system make it so much easier for new people to come and join that field, right? Which is why I think that like the small, beautiful, beautiful acts, whether that be what we do individually or how we think about a company can actually be way more transformative than setting out to change the, the giving landscape. Right. And in kind of what I would call the old day maker and the new day maker and the old day maker, it was like, we are revolutionizing giving. We are changing the way people give. It is about scale. It is about reaching as many people as possible. It's about facilitating as many gifts. And now in the new day maker, um, if we never grew past seven employees, I could see a world where like we are doing the truest form of healing for this entity, you know? And sometimes the lens of scale as being the metric for success, I think can really harm the truth of what wants to come out, right? Um, if you have this beautiful seed and that seed has DNA to become a full tree, but it's rushing the process and it wants to get to a hundred year old like oak tree in two years, there's so many shortcuts that are taken along the way that by the time it gets there, it's maybe lost that beautiful, pure DNA. Um, and so we're trying to sit with like, what is the truth that wants to come through Daymaker? Not what our minds think, which is like, of course we want to build a big company and there's ego in that and that's good and well, but like, what is the truth that wants to come out through this, right? And we're actually on the new capital we're raising right now. We're telling like these people, we're saying the truth of this may be the Daymaker doesn't work. And if you're not comfortable with that, then like, don't, don't come in and like we might discover that we are truly serving the universe by closing us down at some point and so you have to be willing for like the truth to encompass everything to participate or otherwise we're gonna have a really uncomfortable moment in three years if we determine that our truth is actually to not serve in the form that we've been serving yeah this is highly interesting because you use the metaphor of the seed and turning into the tree at the same time though when the seed is extremely small it already knows it's going to be this big one year old tree. So having this vision and this notion of scale, I don't think that's a problem. It's I think when you're rushing the process, right? And yeah. um, what else comes to mind is this idea of memetics, right? This, this, like the study of information and culture. Um, and, and this idea that something, when it hits a certain point or threshold, it can be an evolutionary model of cultural information transfer. And then, and so this is what I think you're saying with like the purest form of daymaker even if you never grow beyond seven people, if you're, if you're able to be an, an evolutionary model of what's possible in the giving space and the gifting space, whew, wow, man. Yeah. Exciting journey you're on, brother. Well, it, it, exactly. It's whether we do it or somebody else does it. And if you're able, if we're able to remove 
our ego's desire for us to be the ones to do it, then maybe somebody else, like we plant the seed and somebody else comes along in the same way that like, so maybe the seed isn't the best metaphor, but the fungal network of the forests aren't trying to become giant trees, right? They see their role as enablers and the communicators of those seeds that are gonna become giant trees. And so not everything needs to become the giant beautiful tree, right? There are so many parts of the ecosystem that exists so that tree can grow. And maybe we're supposed to be part of that ecosystem. Maybe we're not the big shiny tree that's on the front cover of Fast Company. Maybe we're the small fungus that is helping the, the roots of the trees communicate. Really cool. I wanna just acknowledge you for having that kind of lens and consciousness as a CEO, as a founder, you know, into a company. Um, Thomas, if you had three lessons or ideas that you know now that you could have, you know, pass on to your younger self, like before you started this company. What comes to heart? What comes to mind that, that you would have really wanted to understand or know um, or that you could pass on? Yeah. First, that feels really alive is be fully in the exact step you're taking at this moment in your journey. Um, something I've been sitting with a lot recently is the question, if I know the daymaker is to work out perfectly, what would I do in this moment, right? And the thing that I always come back to is I would have a ton of joy. I wouldn't be trying to get out of where we are. I'd be like, dude, this is awesome. Like at some point we might become that tree. So until then, I'm gonna really enjoy being this tiny little sprouted plant, right? And so it would be like the joy in each step of the process. Um, Boom. What else is true? I would slow down a lot. Um, it's really hard for me. I've been playing with this this past week after last week, Julian, which I shared a little bit. Um, our minds are these really well-oiled and built machines. I'm 25, I've had 24 years of schooling. That is all about sharpening this guy in the Western world, right? takes a lot longer to tune into this bodily wisdom, this deep wisdom that is coming from like the source from which we were all created. And so when you're moving quickly, you're always going to default to the mind. It's just what you do. When you, when you ask me a question and I, I feel sure to respond, it's got from up here. And so when I slow down, something can come from here. And so I would tell myself, and I still tell myself like, slow down. Because if you're choosing to go at XYZ speed, you're always going to be in the mind. And if you want this to be heart-centered creation, like come back to the body, right? Um, beautiful slow down yeah that's I think that's so true for uh, all of us and any of us and no matter how much we've already practiced slowing down it's just a continuous uh, further integration because we we are you know fortunately unfortunately living yeah. in this society that is really really focused on the mind and the brain and again there's there's nothing necessarily wrong with it but it also does create certain symptoms and and uh, issues and so yeah, slowing down is, uh, I would love to um, have had that be a core teaching as a 15, 18 year old, but you know, it's, it's happening now for me. So that's, that's wonderful. Do you have a third one? I would encourage myself to, and I, these are all still very present for me. None of these have been, I'm like, these are tensions that will be alive for me the rest of my life. Encourage myself to know less and have more knowing, right? Um, as like a, as a high achieving male in the Western world, we're taught to like, no, the more, you know, and the more you scream about what you know, the more successful you are. 
And when I know the deeper knowing doesn't have space to come through, right? When I think I know the answer from up here, there, there isn't a space for something more beautiful to be born. Um, and so I still like try to sit with, how do I like not know? I don't know anything. I like know so little about anything about being in this body, right? And so how do I like pretend to stop knowing and actually move towards truth? Um, yeah, none of those are that tangible. So I'm sorry if you were looking for more tangible, but yeah. I like them. Thanks for sharing three, three <laughs> lessons that you've been, you know, uh, really connected to over the last years and that are a lot clearer now than they might have been 10 years ago. So yeah. this, is, this is super valuable. Um, let me just change it up a little bit. I have some rapid yeah. fire questions for you. Yeah, do it. Um, would you rather plant trees or fly to Mars? Plant trees. What do you prefer, ocean water or lake water? Lake water. Meat or veggies? Veggies. Dance or meditation? Dance, baby. Water or kombucha? Water. If you want something done right, do it yourself or better as a team? Better as a team. Cannabis or alcohol? Neither at present, although I do think I'm going to enter into, I feel that I'm going to enter into a cannabis phase soon. I don't know where that's coming from, but like, I just kind of sense that it's from never it. been a part of me. Yeah. Jungle or desert? Jungle. Thomas, in your own words, what is happiness to you? Happiness is being in alignment with your soul's purpose in this lifetime follow-up question what is purpose if you were to define it so someone can understand what you what you acknowledge as soul's purpose your purpose and let me caveat this by saying i know nothing my feeling is your purpose is a unique set of gifts that you were given as the individual that you are to help our world heal mm-hmm What is required for you to experience trust? Letting down my own walls. You're a man of uh, really clear, really short answers. Uh, I like that. That's, that's rare. That's rare. Um, and I, I just enjoy it. So I have a question for you that you, you might know I'm going to be asking. This is, this is the core element of this podcast. Um, it's really about holistic visions for me and on this journey, on this quest. So if you were to think way beyond your own lifetime and kind of let this notion of seven generations come, come to heart, come to mind, come into this, this sphere of now, if we were to have a vision for planet earth as a species, a seven generational vision for the next 200, 210 years, what is, what would be your, your part of that vision? What would you see? What are you seeing? Such a beautiful question. That we, I contributed to people seeing and feeling 
a deep connection to those that look very different or seem very different is one of the most beautiful forms to get deeply in touch with yourself. Do you want to elaborate on that a little bit? <laughs> I think we operate in a system of scarcity, right? Not enough time, not enough money. I don't have yet enough to give, right? That is oftentimes, it's my own feelings. That's the feelings we hear when the 40,000 people that have given a gift on Daymaker. That sentiment is strong. And there's never a time where you're going to have enough when you're operating in that system, right? I mean, we look at people that have earned hundreds of millions of dollars that are the most scarce people that we could find, right? And so it's choosing that in this moment to feel deep connection with another, and this is a generosity lens, feel that deep connection and choose that in this moment, I do have an abundance to help this person because I feel that compassion. I feel that empathy. I feel like I understand their circumstances. And in doing that, in doing and assisting that human, that wall of scarcity comes down and you're able to then step into a field of abundance. And so it's like these small little acts of what I would call these seeds of generosity, that they're not about like becoming a better person. They're about leaving that old story. They're about leaving the story of separation. They're about leaving the story of scarcity. And I believe when one human gives to another, something magic is happening. Then that seed is planted, right? And it might not grow in this lifetime. Maybe it grows in a couple lifetimes or maybe it does grow later in this lifetime. But um, something really, it's an opportunity for me as a human to step into the way that I want to be. And so we, we frame generosity as something that is incredibly selfless. And I think generosity is actually one of the most selfish things that we can do in terms of our own fulfillment, in terms of our own actualization in these human bodies. Mm. I like the idea and the concept and kind of the pursuit of this, you know, value of generosity in the context of seven generations. Because it, you know, it, what it makes me think about is um, what really wants to change in the consciousness of humanity, as far as I can connect to it, is the birth of generosity towards the future generations. Mm. You know, the birth of generosity towards the earth, where we, we are able to actually acknowledge the personality, the ego, the character we're playing, when we're able to acknowledge it and, and, and we're able to, I wouldn't say put it in its place, but acknowledge where it starts and where it ends and how it is, an important piece of what we're embodying, but, but really just such a small, small piece of who we are. And then, then there, therefore something else opens up, right? That is generosity. Yeah, I love the way you just said that. It, it's that when the self dies, what is living on, right? Like when, when the self and all of those ideas of who we are and how we are in our image, that we know that's going to die when we hit our deathbed, right? you'll have a legacy, but that will fade at some point. It's like, what were the seeds that you actually left? You know, what were the seeds that you planted for the future generations to come pick those fruits? And I love the way that you talk about that because yeah, there is something living on and what is it that you want to live on? Beautiful brother. I really enjoyed our, our chat, our interview here and hearing both about Daymaker and some of your values and, and, and insights. I have one last question. And that's just to do with, you know, the way you speak about business and the way you, um, I, I know in your journey are surrounding yourself with teachers uh, and yeah, spiritual kind of leaders in that sense. Um, how, how do you, 
think that's the question. How do you reckon business is a spiritual practice? So I used to really resent business. And a couple of years ago, when I was really into my spiritual journey, I was like, get me the F out of here. Like, how am I supposed to get on a contract negotiation and maintain connection to body and source, right? How am I supposed to talk to the, the equivalent of Goldman Sachs and feel love? And I just had this, like, this deep, deep tension. And then I realized that anything that is causing energy and emotions to move throughout me and my being is like the best spiritual practice, right? Anything that is creating that tension, creating that heat is such a way for me to come back to self, which for me, like my spiritual practice right now is coming back to my body. And so anything that is challenging me to do that is inherently a, a massive gift. And I was like, well, you know, it'd be so easy just to go be a monk on a hill, you know, where it's just, it's my own field of energy. I'm the only one putting any stimuli into my life. Wow, what a life that would be. I could finally connect the source then. And I think that's a beautiful existence. And I think it's so necessary that people are off holding that space for us as humans. Um, and the space that I've been given where I've stumbled into is business. And so I think it's the exact space I'm supposed to be in. Um, and how amongst what some would say is chaos, am I coming back to self, to deeper guidance, um, to the connection to my soul's purpose, as I said. Powerful, man. Uh, thank you for that answer. I think there is a notion alive in a lot of people at this point and people listening as well that, you know, with that purpose and the connection to our soul's purpose, we're here to steward in a complete different form of relating. And so facing the business world and the entrepreneurial world, and I can very much relate. Sometimes it, it seems overwhelming or silly, but it's, I think it's part of the work we're here to do is to navigate from where society has kind of uh, taken it so far into a new way that doesn't condemn anything, but simply... Um, with logic, with, yeah. with compassion and with feeling uh, is able to create a new, a new paradigm one step at a time. Yeah. I, I think I met the most enlightened person or the most awakened person I have all year at a used car dealership last week, you know, and it's not a man that's talking about spirit or source or like he just embodied love and presence better than anybody that I've seen. And he's selling used cars, right? And so my mind has all of these judgments. Well, there's not spiritual people selling used cars. How could you ever want to sell cars? Um, and then you meet those people or you meet the janitor and you're like, wow, they are so in touch with self. They are so connected to their deeper wisdom. Like, yeah, I want to be more like them. Um, and so I think it is, like you said, removing those layers of judgment. Cool, brother. I have um, so much respect for the journey you're on, simply because you're, you're really leaning into, you know, making it on the quest, pursuing the quest rather than just scaling the business. And maybe, and may you be blessed to experience both. How can people get in touch with you? Or if someone is listening to this and is like, I want to contribute, I want to contribute to making gifting and adding elements to gifting how what's the best way to, to connect with you yeah we are really excited to work with companies that really want generosity to be a deep part of their culture and not a box to check on a csr report um, but really imbue that into who and how their people are so if there's anybody listening that is at a company um, big or small that is interested in the field of generosity we'd love to hear from you i'm thomas at daymaker.com um, if you just want to send love or criticism or questions or ideas or anything from the heart, you're also so welcome to reach out.
Excellent. Thank you so much for taking the time and thank you for being on Green Planet, Blue Planet. Yeah, thank you, my brother. And that's that, another episode of Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast. I hope you truly enjoyed this one and received some insights, knowledge, and a form of learning that you can directly apply to your life, into your relationships, or maybe even into your business and the way you show up for the world. Because this is a movement and we're all part of it, very much so, and we're in this together. We're here to create a world of a triple bottom line, where you win, I win, and the entire planet wins. We're raising consciousness together, and you know that. That's why you're listening. That's why I love you. So make sure to share the love. Hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Invite a friend to listen to Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast. And if you have an idea who else you'd like me to interview, make sure you reach out and send me a suggestion. Definitely check out greenplanet-blueplanet.com, the website to the podcast. I've created a lot of different offers for you, free content, free meditations for you to amplify your connection to self, the state of social impact in the world, and for you to connect and listen to who you could support of the people that I actually interview, because their missions are ongoing and a lot of them need more collaboration. And after more than 100 episodes now, with some of the world's leading social impact experts, I have synthesized my most inspired learnings and takeaways to create coaching and mentorship programs for you and the people around you. Let me share with you about planetary purpose coaching and mentorship experiences. If you're in a space in your life where you're ready to level up to amplify who you are, what's coming through you and what you're doing to give your gift to the world, then I would love to hear from you and I'd love for you to apply to one of my private mentorships or group mentorships because getting all of the juice, all of that life force that's in you out into the world is something you deserve and the entire world around us deserves. Also, I work with people who are entirely new to this, to the topic of planetary purpose or the topic of meditation, the topic of insight, evolution and revolution. And if that's you and you're ready to step out of the ordinary and into creation or if you know someone who is totally ready for that, Make sure to check out the website or share the website. And you can also always shoot me a message on Instagram. I'll definitely read it and get back to you. Because, like, th guys, this is real life. Let's be in touch and let's create this together. Last but not least, there's a few different group experiences I host, both in person and online. All of them are quantum learning environments, and I'm happy to tell you more. So simply inform yourself and stay connected because whatever resonates with you, I'm here to support you and bring out more purpose into the world. And with that being said, wherever you are in the world, make sure to be you, show up all the way, be all in, connect with someone today, make them smile, have yourself a stellar day. Lots of love to you and until soon. Mm -hmm.